This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Stress is a bad rap, but think about it. Think about it when you think about life. If you have a tree and the roots don't go deep, when you have a storm, what's going to happen? So how does the tree get those roots? Well, the tree has to be buffeted by different winds and things and different weather things for it can anchor itself adequately. And in Hawaii, we have this Albizia tree, which is in growing in Africa, it can get deeper roots. Here, because of volcanic rock, it cannot. So this thing grows really tall, really fast. And in one of our hurricanes out of 235 incidents where the power went out, like 233 of them were because these trees fell over. So the idea is you have to be strong. It's funny that people don't equate the same thing with weight training, strength training, and sports with the same thing about stress. Anyone in sports knows I love the rock and the titans you know, seeing how incredible that people can, what they can ask their bodies to do, and especially the women. I am cheering the women on going, yes, when I went to West Point, they didn't think we could do anything. Stress has a bad rap. And I think we need to think about it just like weight training. You you don't want to hurt yourself, but you have to push yourself. Hello and welcome to Inside Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salibi and I'm your host. This show is all about insights and explores how transformational moments of awakening have helped propel the lives and careers of remarkably successful people. These major breakthroughs teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. On this episode, I interview Deb Lewis, a 34-year Army veteran who rose to the ranking of Colonel. Throughout her life, Deb's been making history She was part of the first ever graduating class of women at West Point. After earning her Harvard MBA, Deb commanded three U.S. Army Corps of Engineer districts. In combat, she was responsible for a $2.1 billion reconstruction program. During 9-11, she worked on the Joint Staff Anti-Terrorism Office in the Pentagon. As you could see, Deb is a dynamo and has an incredible story. Our focus in this episode is on her current mission to help people confidently handle stressful situations. Her business, Mentally Tough Women, provides tactical strategies, insights, and tools she's learned the hard way by being a pioneering woman in incredibly stressful situations. She'll share these insights and how you can apply her techniques to not eliminate stress, but rather to handle stress while making a positive impact on the world. Deb lives in Hawaii and has the motto to live life to the fullest, 
with love in service. And I'm so excited for you to learn from her on this episode of Inside Out. Deb Lewis, welcome to the show. So excited to have you. Aloha, Billy. Thank you so much. I love being here with you. And we're going to do something sort of experiment, like experimenting here. And we're just going to have a free-flowing conversation where I could learn about all of the wisdom that you have developed over the years through your incredible career, which we're going to dive into all of that. Before we dive into your career, which truly is fascinating, I mean, I I can't even begin to tell you how incredible your journey has been. And so I'm excited for the audience to learn all about you. Before we get into all of that, the first question I have for you really involves What do you think is the number one thing that above all else would be most interesting for the listeners to learn? I think most listeners would be very eager to get more of what they want and and not really have ever made the connection that it's how they handle stress is actually that skill above all others. We can love everybody. We can do all these things. But if we really don't understand how to handle stress then we are always going to be at risk of pulling ourselves away from what we want most. And I, I think that, uh, and, it, and stress gets a bad rap, and I want to give it a good rap. It, I want to say, hey, this is necessary. We need to learn how to be uncomfortable. All kinds of things flow. But I think it's the, the bottom line is that of all the things I've studied, like I started to I started with positive leadership and all these other things. You want to be positive, but the bottom line is this. When it when it comes down to tough situations, if you're unable to handle stress, you will not you will not achieve the outcomes you're looking for and wonder why. You you constantly and then feel badly and ang- more angst it just creates this circular kind of like the snowball rolling down the hill. So mm-hmm. I think that that's the big surprise and I want to change everyone's perspective on stress and and how they can use it to their advantage and it helps them get more of what they want. Yeah, well I want to talk about that specifically and using stress to your advantage because we stress exists and I think probably a frequent way of thinking is how do we entirely eliminate stress? But the reality is stress will always be there. And I we think we want the- it there. Our life would be so boring. I heard someone say those are dead man's goals or dead woman's goals. You know, if you want no stress in your life and you want life to be exactly as it is, it's like people who are dead have those kind of goals. And I want to live. I want to enjoy this miracle that is called life every day. What are you trying to help a person achieve by embracing stress and using it to their advantage. I think what's interesting when you talk about stress is it's very personal. It's people feel it in different ways, people show it in different ways, and people have different strategies and things. So it really does take going into yourselves and identifying that. For me, I can sense when people are not in a good place. 
it, it, their face may look okay, but I have about seven ways that people communicate. And for me, I'm learning, I didn't trust my intuition or my perception as well. But when you get that sense, let's say you lose your hearing or you're seeing, you know how people get really keenly aware of, of their surroundings. And, and you find out just every one of our senses, how much that can help us really get a better picture seeing is what we take in like 90% of what's true. And I'm telling you, what you see is not what you're getting. <laughs> so what are some of the other seven ways? So if seeing one of the seven yes, or there's yes. others? What you see, what you say, what you hear, what you do, what you think, what you feel, and your energy, that energy of being that just by being you what does that energy look like, feel like? Yeah, because you're come from. It's really that energy of being is your come from. When you have a caring heart, because I like to speak to those who really care, people who are passionate about things, even if they're coming off negatively or strident to others, I want to be with that person because at least that person absolutely at their core care about something. It may not be the same values and things like they want, maybe want what's for, in it for them. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. It's like, how can I help more people? What else can I do? What can I do today and want do one thing? And sometimes it's as simple as just being in someone's presence. I could sit here, Billy, truly. I could sit here and just be happy in your presence, knowing what I know already about you and realize there's something so special and, and I find that everybody has that potential. It's just maybe they've hit hard times and they, they disguise it. It's kind of like how people put walls around themselves. But imagine putting a wall around a, a breathing, living thing. What happens over time, the wall will start getting cracks in it and the living thing will keep pushing on it. So when you build walls, that's not a sustainable way to live. You, you really have to be open in your heart. And yeah, that means you're going to get hurt. And I, We'll talk later about how you can minimize that. I won't say you won't get hurt, but you're human. You will. You'll have all the spectrum of emotions, and I don't ever label them as bad. They're being human. And let's get down to the essence of being human. And I think that when people realize that, they get really excited. Yeah, I have this sense that we're, we're at the beginning of something very special. And I, I don't know what it is, but I, I just feel this connection to you and the gifts that you're providing. And so I got chills as you shared that. As I mentioned before we started, I, I want to just be a sponge and I want to embrace everything that I learned from you. And, and thank you for saying those kind words. I feel the exact same way about you. So let me let me just share it with your audience. I want your audience to, to take note of what you just said. So we had a mutual friend connect us, mutual friends that she had spoken to you and she couldn't say enough. Marsha Dasko, who's already written her book about pivoting organizations. Amazing friend. She's worked so hard in so many ways to help organizations do well. She introduced us, said, hey, you want to talk to Billy? <laughs> you want to talk to <laughs> Billy? I told him to talk to Billy. Why don't you guys get together and talk? I think it's a really good idea. It's kind of like matchmaking, but it's like matchmaking with human beings who are like-hearted, like-hearted. Mm. And so we're matching together like that. We had one conversation, and that's all it took to know we're speaking the same language. We're speaking the same language. We're speaking from the heart, and there's so many levels that we connect and learn from each other 
that it gives me that same sense inside of me. Now imagine having that with just about every person you meet and having that wonderful feeling that this is just the start of a great adventure. This is the start of something where every person has this special part of them and insights that if we just asked the right question and we gave them the benefit of the doubt, we would be able to open up to that. But you and I have certain things that we go by, certain basics that we already understand in connecting. So we can connect quickly and deeply and how wonderful every time that happens. I could see you a a year from now or 10 years from now. And even after just having these couple conversations, we would still feel the same way. We would still have that connection. And if people can just open themselves up to that, that it's not about forming a relationship and working hard every second at it. It's like, no, let's, let's see what does it take. It's kind of like school, right? If you raised your hand every two seconds in school, you'd never get anything done. I mean, I have those questions, but you have to be able to have what we call in the military rules of engagement. You have to know, even in meetings, what are the rules of engagement? What are your roles and responsibilities in that? And just like jazz players don't step on each other when they're playing music, the best ones that work with other people and people want in their team up, they don't have to have ever played with them, but they'll bring them on because they're an exceptional talent. Everybody's an exceptional talent, but let's create something special together when we're listening and paying attention with all those things that we communicate with. And we're, I think at the base of it, you have to be authentic. You have to be able to come from a very authentic place. If you're trying to act as if you, I'm only going to say what I think you wanted me to say. (laughs) I've been with those people. (laughs) I've been married to those people before. I have a wonderful husband now. We're going on 21 years. And, And he knows, for example, I have a hard time asking for help. Now, here you probably didn't see it. We were setting up. The audience didn't get to see that. I'm learning all kinds of new things. Never use this in it. <laughs> never use. There's a lot of new things right now going on here. But anyway, he, when, when he asks me for something, he'll say, honey, would you like me to do that for you right now? And if I say no right away, he knows, okay, I don't need to do that. But if I'm like saying yes <laughs> to help in someone in the military, especially, is like, no, I need to do it myself. But you know, kids do it the same way when they're like two or three, they're independent. No, I want to do it myself. So I think I still have that hardwired somewhere in my system. But he knows that after a minute, if I haven't said no, I'm thinking about it. And by that time, he goes, he just goes and does it. Wouldn't that be a nice (laughs) way to communicate that you know these nuances and these things and you give the person the benefit of the doubt. Yes, I love it. It's really not what people expect. I love to think of the iceberg model where 10%'s on the surface and you really can't trust that because it could be very carefully disguised. But what's below the surface is the powerful and what's most important. And you can equate that to scientific findings. They say that we know what 5% of what's going on in the universe. It seems like we know a lot but we're just touching the tip of that iceberg. And the same way in our minds, they have some really cool uh, visuals now to show you from going all the way to outer space to all the way to the center of the smallest cell that they've identified or whatever it's called. It's no longer a cell. That's a big thing. But, you know, going all the way, we know just 5%. And then I like to know, is that what's most important? 
Maybe we can't see it. Maybe we have to sense it some other way and understand it. Maybe someone else has that keen sense of understanding it. And I want to, I want to be around them to understand more. Yeah. And I love that, you know, everything that you're saying brings me back to one of the first things you said, which is these walls that we sometimes put around ourselves. I'm curious what you think the reason we do this, just it happens. We put walls around ourselves and then how do we begin to break down those walls? Is it us breaking them down ourselves? Do we need help breaking them down? Like, What's your advice for somebody that maybe they either realize or they don't realize they have this wall that's formed around them? How do they break through those, those walls? I think everything starts within us. I think those walls, to answer your first part of the question, is where did they begin? Well, you know, life is tough. I liken life to an extreme sport. Nobody told you that. Life, love, work, they're all extreme sports. And when you see someone doing an extreme sport, what do you notice? Well, they got proper equipment, right? They got proper equipment. They've got incredible training because if you go into an extreme sports scenario and you haven't understood the fundamentals of what that entails, you're probably going to get hurt. So you come out of life and you get hurt a lot. That feels like crap. (laughs) It feels terrible. And you get your heart broken. Anyone who has had their heart broken, I'm sure some of your audience has had that. Imagine if that just spurs you to realize something that you wouldn't have understood if you didn't have that feeling. I don't want you to stay in that feeling. I think that's the difference for a lot of what I do. I'm an engineer. If someone turns my light out, I'm going to figure out a way to get that light back on, right? And that's me. Mm -hmm. Now, I may need you, like before we set up, I may need my husband to go run off and do something. I may, you know, you may need expertise or assistance at certain parts, but who knows you best? I I think it's a great uh, segue to advice. Why I do not give you advice. What does advice imply? That I know more about your situation than you do. Is that ever Mm -hmm. true? You may have situations that mirror some of my experiences, but I couldn't possibly be in your head or have all the reasons and your values. Test it with your children. You'll know this. Maybe you haven't seen it before, but for example, my daughter, my daughter would come to me and she'd say, mom, which one do you like better? Do you like the red one or the white one? And I'd say, you know, honey, I really like the red one. And she would go use the white one. (laughs) And then you'd say, well, why did you ask me? And people get frustrated (laughs) at that. But the truth is, is they're trying to form, there's questions you can, I have scenarios where I ask her questions now. And initially she got frustrated because I wouldn't say, I stopped saying, I like that or I, you know, that. But I might paraphrase and say, well, if it were me, and these are the reasons I'm thinking this is why it makes sense to me, but I couldn't possibly know what you're thinking. So it has to start getting back to your question. The hurt and pain is very personal. We have all those emotions, but so is the joy and the love and the, and the tingly moments where you, you get that chicken skin where it's like, oh my gosh, that is the, it, 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 there are no words to describe it. And then it has to start within you. It has to start within you to decide If I don't have a goal, like goals are goal setting, that's important. You need to say what appeals to you or what works best for you. But it's really about how you want to feel, 
right? How do you want to feel in any moment? People can be doing the exact same job and you'll see one person who's loving it and another person who can't stand it, right? Right, right, totally. So even the worst people I've worked for, for me, they're not terrible people, but they really, oh my goodness. You know, I had had someone walk out of a meeting one time and they said, you know, I, I didn't speak up in there because I've learned if you speak up, then you're gone. And and I'm just sitting there listening to this because it's not a private space going, what? We're dealing with people's lives and you disagreed with that, but you were worried about keeping your job or how people thought about you before you spoke. And my problem is, I do have a problem here. I am an open book. Uh, my face mm. could tell exactly what I was thinking when I turned around and looked and I said, you know, I, I didn't say it, but I, but my face is like, what? Right. You showed it. <laughs> you showed Which it. That's ma- makes people angry. It does make people angry at me. I've had, I've had over 10,000 people yell at me. Does that, do I look like the person that could really antagonize you? But I swear I've had over 10,000 people scream, disparage, put me down, try to, you know, just silence me, all that in my wow. life. That's a good thing to put on your resume. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see that in your list of accolades. <laughs> By the way, if you go to Deb's LinkedIn profile, I don't think you'll find anyone that has a longer scroll <laughs> of accomplishments. So just carve out a good hour to read through everything that she's done because it's incredible. Question for you, Deb, about misconceptions and myths, because this is something that intrigues me. When we think about stress in our lives, we have these ideas in our head of what they are, maybe even what they aren't, but what are some of the myths and misconceptions as it relates to stress? Okay, well, we'll go through the first one. The first one that we talked about a little bit already is that stress has a bad rap, but think about it. Think about it when you think about life. If you have a tree and the roots don't go deep, when you have a storm, what's going to happen? So how does the tree get those roots? Well, the tree has to be buffeted by different winds and things and different weather things for it can anchor itself adequately. And in Hawaii, we have this albizia tree, which is in growing in Africa, it can get deeper roots. Here, because of volcanic rock, it cannot. So this thing grows really tall, really fast. And in one of our hurricanes out of 235 incidents where the power went out, like 233 of them were because these trees fell over. So the idea is you have to be strong. It's funny that people don't equate the same thing with weight training, strength training, and sports with the same thing about stress. Anyone in sports knows I love the rock and the the titans you know, seeing how incredible that people can, what they can ask their bodies to do, and especially the women. I am cheering the women on going, yes, when I went to West Point, they didn't think we could do anything. Stress has a bad rap. And I think we need to think about it just like weight training. You, you don't want to hurt yourself, but you have to push yourself and you have to go sometimes to the brink of that in training and mm. testing and, and, and trying out life and saying, you know, I'm going to go into a group of strangers and see if I can find someone I really want to talk to right now. That's scary to Mm. people. Or I'm going to give a talk. I guess that's the greatest fear is people to get up and talk in front of even two people and we'll go do it. (laughs) 
they're more, well, they're more afraid of that than death. That's what's exactly. crazy. It's like there there's studies have shown that. And if you follow the basics of handling stress, they will always love you. They will always love you if they matter. The ones who won't love you are the ones that feel threatened because you're not being angry and upset like they are. And if you're angry and upset like they are, then you're probably going to go along. But that that's one. The other thing is, the second one I'd like to go to is people are almost always told, you need to reduce your stress. You need to get rid of that stress. And what about the people, I chose to go to West Point. People choose professions like being a police officer, being a, in the fire department, and now even health profession. That's engaging with people all the time. That's a, Those are tough challenging both physically, mentally, emotionally, every leadership, it's every which way challenging and stressful to you. Well, maybe you're a caregiver too. Maybe you have to care, suddenly you got to care for a parent or you have children. Are you going to get rid of your kids because they're causing you stress? (laughs) Is that an option even for people? I wanted to go to West Point and it was hard as hell. And people would say, if every time I complained about it, then, or it's, you know, I griped about, sounded like I was griping because I didn't know all these things back then. If I griped about it, then they'd say, well, just quit. You don't have to finish. And that would anyone tell you not to do something and you're like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> right. For me, I, more motivation. I used it to motivate me. That's not everybody, but I used it to motivate me to do much more than I ever thought possible. So, eliminating and reducing it. In some cases, I only qualify that for negative stress. And there's a big difference between what's healthy and building and and negative stress. Negative stress is the yelling, it's the disparaging, it's hating people, it's hurting people and all sorts of ways that we do that. So you want to eliminate that piece of it. But to me, stress is not good or bad. It is. We just have to be able to work with it. And so that's a couple of them. But I want you to say, we talked about another one with stress. What you see is not what you get. (laughs) That's the other one about stress. If somebody does something, how often have you heard, well, they don't like me? (laughs) They don't, Mm. they did that because they're, they're trying to hurt me or they're, they want to get that or, you know, some kind of competitive nonsense competition's good when it's healthy, but not when it's about putting someone down. I got to step on you to get ahead. But the idea is you may not understand what's motivating them. Maybe they're worried about providing for their family. Maybe they're, if you dig a little deeper, that action makes all the world of sense. And if you were in the same position, you might even have considered doing that too, if you didn't have our training. You know, you, if you, you may have to go to that negative place, right? The final one that I think is really important is that I can't tell you how many people think they're really good at handling stress well. And then in the next, they go, I'm a positive person. I'm a really positive person. And then I'll start asking, I ask probing questions. I confess, I do. I want to know more about them, just like you do. I want to know more about them. And then in the next five minutes, they'll say, oh, my husband and I, we were screaming and yelling at each other last night. I don't know about you, but uh, that's not a place I want to be. How is that handling stress? Well, that's just Mm. people have the misconception that our family members can take it. You know, this is who I am. I'm a negative person. You can take it. And the reality is, no, they can't. And if you were really caring, 
and you wanted to help people, then you would understand the guidelines and the basics of handling stress, which means you just have to work harder. People are, most people are not afraid of hard work, but, but everybody today is like, I'm entitled and I, I want a shortcut. Here's the shortcut. Well, if there is one, I'll tell you, but I, I came up with a realization years ago and I even did a painting with it with an artist. It says no shortcuts to greatness. If you want to be great, there are no shortcuts here. You have to follow certain guidelines. You can figure out whether you go under it, over it, around it, or whatever. But I think that handling stress is absolutely a skill. And as you have learned, it takes courage. It takes that skill. It takes leadership. And most of all, it takes discipline. It takes discipline because you, your body is hardwired to go in survival mode. And mm. that will limit your options. You have got to be disciplined. You, you know all those, those quotes that say it's better to say nothing? If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. I don't really like that language in that because the don't and the this and the that. Neuroscience will tell you mine doesn't recognize it. But unless you can say something positive, hold your, hold your words, hold your thoughts, and try those seven ways that I communicate. You can sit there and you don't have to say anything, but all about your body is telling that person that's messed up. (laughs) So I'm not an expert in all the seven ways, but I'm learning, hold your mouth. Don't, don't say, if it's going to come out negative, you know, don't say those things. So being really good at stress is something that it's not their fault. Who was trained to handle stress? Were you trained to handle stress and said, hey, stress is good. This is just like a weight exercise where you want to get strong and mighty, you know, you need to practice, you need to do it every day, otherwise you lose it. Nobody told me that. Nobody trained me that. Instead, I had to get all that great experience getting hammered. Remember? Good judgment. Where does it come from? Experience. And where does experience come from? Bad judgment. (laughs) Getting hammered. So getting hammered. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So when did you realize, you know, you, as you said, right, you don't necessarily get trained on how to handle stress. When did you realize that's something you wanted to focus on, spend energy on, and really begin to understand? Because you were the first graduating class for women at West Point. Yes. So I'm curious, that's got to be stressful in and of itself, it was, right? It you, was established in 1802, and it is known as a place that's stressful for, for cadets, cadets, since 1802, this was not a walk in the park. This was, they, they intentionally, the, the three or four things, let's see, physically, mentally, or emotionally, intellectually, and leadership. Those are kind of the four pillars that they push you. They push you beyond what you can handle. From the beginning, they're screaming and yelling at you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> Probably some of, a few of the 10,000 people that have yelled at you it, happened yeah, that's when it really those, those went years. into high gear. It was like, whoosh. Yeah, that went into high gear then. But it, it's continued because I pushed the envelope in in wanting to know more. I want to know more. If someone is screaming at another person, chances are they've been doing that for a very long time. And I'm always looking, what's what's the key to what's going on here? I want to understand it first. Very few are just have mental illnesses that cause them to do that. 
you know, or criminal tendencies. There's less than 3%, I'd say there. But most of the time, there's something going on that they can't even see it themselves. But to answer your question, the stress piece only happened most recently, understanding it in that language. See, it's a language. But I think that one of my earliest cases of stepping into that arena (laughs) because it is arena where you get knocked down. When you go into the stress arena, you're going to be taking some punches because that's just the nature of the beast. And it's, it's like those obstacles going by you. (laughs) You hope you're fast enough to duck and then jump on something and push them harder, you know, to get what you want. I, as a cadet, when I got in, I understood that the upper class were going to haze us. I had no, I I really didn't appreciate it was a social revolution. You know, people talk Mm. about, how badly injustices, oppression, all those things. I mean, you can go back in history, pick a group. People have been that way. They've been slaves. They've been, you know, it doesn't matter. There's these roles. And in my case, being a cadet was worse than anything. A new cadet. A new cadet was meant Mm -hmm. to be smashed and squashed. And to break you down, their thought was, I need to break you down so I can then build you up. We can talk about that later. Okay, sometimes it have to be in crisis mode, yes, to be able to pay your attention. People won't even pay attention unless they're in a crisis mode. And so I knew that, but then I didn't realize that it was not in the summer. We had a 10 to 1 ratio. We're upper class. We were 10 new cadets to one upper class. And that was bad enough because they were the people in charge. And then we got to the academic year when I'm thinking, oh, great, the academic year. I'm not doing these road marches, which were kicking my butt. We're not doing these runs where I think we talked about in another conversation about how I learned to control my breathing because I, I prepared to be a mile and a half runner. And the first run was two miles. And I mm-hmm. had to do something really quick because I was dying. I was, I was like... I was an athlete, but I wasn't that kind of athlete. Some people are runners. My daughter could run cross country. I was not that woman. I had not, I'm a sprinter. I'm a, you know, do it quick. And so you'd be tired, you'd be stressed. You'd have to, and I made every run that first year, which, uh, which was a accomplishment of its own. But with it became those connotations. If you, if you dropped out, you weren't worthy. You know, talk about one example that upper class would just had a potential to yell at you. And I was determined I would pass out before I'd fall out of a run. And I, that worked. My body came up to the challenge. I pushed myself to that limit. But at one case, and then we didn't realize that the graduates were feeding all the cadets because their parents or their, or they know them and they're telling them, you need to run the women out. That was a common message. Why are you letting the women really? here? You need to run them out. They'd have no they, should, they don't belong here. It wasn't everybody, but you know, how many people do you need? You don't need many people to be saying that. And certain companies did run out the women. Certain companies, no women who started in that company graduated. We had 119 that started out of 4,400 cadets. We had 14, about 1,450 in our class, and 119 of those were women. And then we graduated with 62 women and we had just over 900 as a total class. So our class took a beating. So the men and the, and the men resented us because they were getting hazed for us, right? They hadn't, they were getting the normal hazing, but then they were getting the, the added bonus hazing 
<laughs> the, the added bonus of having women in your class and and right. uh, you know since 1802 <laughs> you've broken this tradition <laughs> yeah. since 1802 this was 1976 and and uh, so they were getting hazed and i had someone one that hurt a bit but it wasn't as much in my face as my best example someone who was a friend of mine for the first month and then people started hazing him because he was friendly with me he never talked to me for the whole year he just it's like someone who talks to you one day and doesn't talk to you next day that was hurtful Mm. we were trying to find anyone to you know help us you know be nice to us be kind we talk about being kind but in that scenario very few people were kind to us but there were enough exceptions that that it got us through you know it's always like you're being tossed about in the storm what can you anchor to and so the one that really hurt the most at that first year was i had a classmate and here's where you kind of cross the line i had some some feelings you know you you get guys and gals together and you get these feelings for her. well i had feelings for him for a little bit and then i decided you know this doesn't make sense it's like we're going out with a coworker does that make sense most of the time it doesn't work out and it's not pretty when that doesn't work out so i had feelings for him and then i just stopped i said you know that's not going to work for me we're not a good fit and this you know maybe some people are able it works it didn't and then i was in the i was in a group of people and he was there and he said something i can't even tell you what he said but he said something that hurt. It was like someone taking a dagger in front of a group of people who were your classmates and saying something very hurtful, kind of like the boy on the playground, you know, that used to grab the girl's pigtails, right? And slammered it because he liked her. <laughs> I knew he still liked me, but, but it hurt, right? It really, really hurt because now you're in a group of people and it's okay if everyone else is saying these things and I understand that, but you know me. And when someone knows you and they say hurtful things, that's like below the belt, below the belt, stings, very stressful, very hurtful, hard to get past. And I just said, I I just didn't understand. Where is this coming from? So I went to him and I talked to him and most people will say, I'm done, right? They they said something hurtful. I am never, I'm going to say terrible things about him. I'm never going back. Not me. I'm like, I want to know the truth. I want to know what happened. I don't understand. I want to go below the surface. Something happened. And I just want to know, I may not be able to fix it, but I at least want to understand it because that gives you power, right? Understanding more about what's going on. So I went to him and I just said, something happened that really hurt me. And I want you to understand what happened. You said this, and I repeated exactly what he had said. And I said, I thought you were my friend. I just can't understand it. And then he gave a reaction that is so common. Most of the time I get this reaction. I said that? <gasps> I said hmm. that? That came out of my mouth? You know, I, I am so sorry. I, I didn't mean to hurt you. That was not my intent. Oh, I am so sorry. You know, and I let him understand why it was so significant. He never did it again. Never. So I thought to myself, you know what? When bad things happen, I really need to investigate further before I start thinking that that was intentional. Mm. That was the piece. Is is that intentional? Go find out. More times than not, was not intentional. Or it was just like me with my husband, the inarticulate way people can communicate to each other. We may speak, even when we're speaking English, we're not speaking the same language. You know that in relationships, right? And, and you think that you're on the same sheet. Like, even if I say, I'm going to meet you in front of the building. Well, what's the real front of the building? 
You know, you really got to nail that down. Or you, Now we have cell phones and other things to help us. But before, yeah. you know, you might go to the wrong store. Hey, meet me at this store. And then you find out there's like 30 stores. I thought you were talking about this one. You know, we miscommunicate <laughs> all the time. And if you if you understand that at the beginning, then you'll be more careful. Yeah, and it's, it's also interesting. We all have our own love language. And sometimes we think we're doing something that we would like, but maybe the other person, it's not going to connect or resonate with them in the same way it would with us. And the other thing from what you just talked about was what I call the concept of assuming positive intent. And it's so valuable to remember that most of the time people actually have good intentions. They may not come out the right way. They may be having a bad day. They may be in a bad mood. And then it manifests in tone. One of those seven ways we communicate may manifest itself in a number of ways and it's received different than it is um, meant, right? And it's, it's not meant to be a certain way, but it's received that way. So here's the interesting thing about even talking. I talk about the seven ways to communicate. You just talked about voice. And I've learned from the best in the world, I think. Roger Love is the voice coach. He not only helps singers be able to sing, but he helps people speak, uh, speak, you know, in front of other people. And um, there are five things that have to do with your voice. Tone is one mm. of them. That's what you. That's what you just shared. You know, tone is another one. Another one is volume, um, and yeah. and what you were talking about. If I and then another one is melody. So if I, if I keep one note and I say, Billy, you did this, Billy, you did this, yeah. Billy, you did this. And I keep it. What's it sound like? Sounds like anger. And, mm-hmm. and if I just said, Billy, you just did this. Why did you do that? You know, right. I put melody in there. It takes on a completely different meaning. Right. 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 Well, it was like, it was like when I listened to, why Pono isn't Pono anymore. When I listened, when I listened to that, the and children's that, book you know, that I you, did years ago, mm-hmm. yeah, children's book, right. You, you know, you use those inflection in your voice and you told it in a way that, you know, it wasn't monotone. It had, had the rhythm and melody to it. I think that's incredibly valuable. Uh, and so remembering that we, uh, in, especially in stressful situations, probably say things in a way that is received in a different way. Go, going back to- If I, I may, I want, just let to, me just, if you can hold that ahead. thought on that. Sure. Think about life. I love to think about life. How much do you love music? Probably as much as I do. Music is, it, it. you know, it just speaks to my soul. Imagine if you're in a scenario, what, what background music are you listening to, right? And if it's mm. stressful- you're not going to want to have the angry one like I'm keying your car, I'm destroying this. If you're in a stressful situation, you want like the champion song. We are, the, you know, like you're, you're going to get that courage and all that other stuff. So finding out what's playing in your head and your mind is very important because then the words will flow from that, right? Yeah. It's a soundtrack of our soundtrack lives, right? If we, have, if, we, if we have certain music at certain moments in our lives, we will act in ways that are more aligned with what the the music puts out into the world and, and the energy that it has. And your energy will match that, which I love that. And yes, I'm a huge music lover. I just, I literally just wrote a whole post about that or a comment about that specifically. And the and challenge so, that you know, we have, 
But the challenge that we have in what we do is if it's a serious subject, people die, people get hurt, people are, are, you know, committing suicide every day. If we talk about all these difficult subjects and can't find a way to, instead of being strident and telling people what to do, if we can't figure out a way, we will never see a change. Never. If you're, if you're saying this must be done this way, they're horrible things, but you have to understand how to handle stress. You have to know what is the language to best handle stress because it's just like music. If you want people to fall in love, you know, you're not going to pick a song that the words and everything else are like telling you, Hey, love hurts. (laughs) You want to fall in love. You're going to take, it's true that love hurts. There's nothing you know, that, that is not true, but why would you pick that if that's the action? What is it you want people to do and find those words and that emotion and those things that you want to achieve? And that's what we talk about. So how, how did you come up with this concept of MTW? Walk us through what that stands for and the genesis of it. Mentally tough women. I'm glad you asked that because first thing, Uh, which I haven't shared with others is I one time looked up mentally tough because resilience to me is, is oftentimes I'm waiting for the next punch. Mm, That's not as much me. Yeah, I could get punched, but I'm not waiting for the next punch. I'm going to dodge it if I can. But I looked up mentally tough and I found a speaker who will not be named, who was a guy's mental toughness. And he was all about bullying. He was all about being bravado and pushing people and being, you know, in their face. And to me, mentally tough is the opposite of that. It's being unbelievably controlled. In fact, saying less than more in the scenario, it's allowing people to maybe not be perfect, but to do their thing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out. Oh, my God.